Hello. Living in a building that is constructed around a framework of ancient timbers requires a certain self-discipline of routinely attending to any number of jobs that demand but a short time to sort, lest they become bigger by dint of being ignored in the hope they will go away. Which they won't, so best just get on with it. But when the rain stops play, as it does here regularly in quite intense fashion, there is a smug insouciance in kicking off the boots, stoking the stove, and idling in a guilt-free comfort zone of it being too wet to do anything outside and too cosy to do much in. And so it was that one such delicious afternoon recently found me flicking lazily through my archives and reflecting on what is now a quite lengthy period as a writer. After a while I was struck by certain trends that became apparent by dint of the pieces being perused back to back. Submitting articles for, say, a monthly periodical, one may not catch previous similarities in the next monthly article, but here, glancing through one after the other, I could see how my composition had developed over the years, my prose becoming more rhythmical and my syntax more coherent, all forming what one might consider a recognisable style. Yet there was one aspect that I needed no reminding of, principally because it has been a deliberate ploy, and that is a judicious use of certain words. My reason for this is, I accept, purely personal and with no basis other than a determination not to go down the route of debasement by over-familiarity. One such word that I use sparingly is genius, particularly when applied as emphasis to what is, in essence, simply an aptitude or ability, albeit an aptitude or ability of rare measure. David Beckham, for example, can perform wonders with a football. He is a talented sportsman. Paul McCartney writes songs that are recognised around the world. He is a gifted musician. But are these examples of genius? Compare and contrast with a man who unlocked the secrets of the universe and derived formulae that direct our fundamental understanding of space and time. Or a woman whose pioneering work on radioactivity led to, amongst other things, the routine use of x-rays. Yes, Mr. Einstein and Madame Curie, I reckon you deserve the accolade. All highly subjective, I agree. But, in my defence, if I avoid using the word in the first place, then no contention arises. So, I turn to another word that I use frugally. That word is hero. The Oxford English Dictionary defines this as, and I quote, a person who is admired for their courage, outstanding achievements or noble qualities. And who am I to argue with the OED? Yet there is something in the definition that does not quite sit comfortably with the outstanding, maybe even noble, accomplishments of, say, guitarist Jimi Hendrix or any number of rock stars who are fated as demigods and pronounced as heroes. Really? On the 18th of March 2005, a citation appeared as a supplement to the London Gazette that included these words. He carried out two individual acts of great heroism by which he saved the lives of his comrades. Both were in direct face of the enemy under intense fire at great personal risk to himself, one leading to him sustaining very serious injuries. He displayed repeated extreme gallantry and unquestioned valour despite intense direct attacks, 
personal injury and damage to his vehicle in the face of relentless enemy action. Now, come on, that's a hero. The he in question is one Lance Sergeant Johnson Gideon Bahari, and the citation relates to the award of the Victoria Cross, the highest award of the UK honour system and a gold standard for bravery in the face of the enemy. It was introduced on the 29th of January 1856 by Queen Victoria to honour acts of valour during the Crimean War. Since then, the Victoria Cross has been awarded 1,358 times to 1,355 individual recipients. To date, only 15 medals have been awarded since the Second World War. Johnson Bahari was the first living recipient in over 30 years, and I gather there are only around 10 currently alive. The award is revered, and when the grave of Zulu war hero Colour Sergeant Anthony Clark Booth VC in St Michael's Church, Brawley Hill, was damaged recently, the outcry extended far beyond his native Brawley Hill. Sadly for some, the reverence is transitory. Servicemen killed during or immediately after battle have their resting places tended to by the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. Otherwise, responsibility for their upkeep lies with their relatives, whom of course may diminish as nature takes its inevitable toll on them too. The Victoria Cross Trust was launched following concerns about the care of graves of those who did not die in action and it campaigns for their final resting places to be fittingly maintained. I have not collated the precise number of Victoria Cross holders originating from the West Midlands, but the region is certainly well represented. In 2015, Birmingham honoured 10 in a walk of heroes, and more recently Coventry did similar. In 1985, an entire book by Barry Harris and published by the Black Country Society was dedicated to those from the Black Country area alone. So it is curious, and I wouldn't even stab at an explanation, why a county the size of Herefordshire, with its own proud military history, should list only one Victoria crossholder to have been born here. Thus, it is entirely fitting that, as commemorations for marking the centenary of the close of the War to End All Wars draw near, the sacrifice of Alan Leonard Lewis VC is especially noteworthy. Alan Lewis was born in 1895, within sight of where I'm sitting in the barn right now, at Whitney-on-Wye. The family later moved to Brilly, which is equally close as to be in sight, were it not for the big hill between me and it. Uh, one can hardly get more local than that. In the final stages of the war, Lance Corporal Alan Lewis showed exemplary courage, taking part in the final push to break the Hindenburg Line. He was killed on the 21st of September 1918, just a matter of weeks before the armistice. He has no known grave, and his name is commemorated on two war memorials located respectively in the areas of his birth and where he spent much of his life. He deserves more, and so the A.L. Lewis VC Memorial Fund, just tap that into your internet browser and all is revealed, is working with Herefordshire County Council to commission a life-sized bronze statue to stand in Hereford. The inn directly across the road from me is one of a number of outlets where support and sponsorship is being garnered. Oh, that all our veterans could attract the dedication of such a group, but sadly the work of the Victoria Cross Trust and others like it 
seems destined to continue for some time yet. Though continue, it must. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. Indeed we will. But there is more to their remembrance than being venerated for the Oxford English Dictionary's expressed elements of courage, outstanding achievements, more noble qualities. It is a sobering thought, though nonetheless entirely true, that it is down to the likes of Alan Lewis and his compatriots, and what they all universally represent in terms of selflessness of spirit, that we are not now speaking in another language and living under a very different flag from the one for which they place their lives in peril. There rests a moral imperative upon us all that they should be remembered in perpetuity, and as those commemorations approach in 2018, perhaps a first tentative step towards that goal may be for us to mark the occasion by revisiting our own perceptions of what constitutes a true hero. Enjoy your black country, and do join me again soon for more tales from the barn.